0: You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fifteenth episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We are recording this episode uh, minutes before what would have been the first day of the New Zealand-Bangladesh test match to be played at Christchurch. Unfortunately, we have learned that due to tragic events that took place at Christchurch, the test match and hence the series will not go on. Um, Our thoughts... And prayers are with all the people who have been affected by this tragedy we've um, uh, we've also seen that there is an increase in the number of downloads and also in the number of followers for our podcast so i would like to take uh, this uh, moment to thank you thank you all our listeners for your continued support this is really wonderful um, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast uh, on whichever platform you're listening to us on You know how to find us. Uh, Just look for Armchair Cricket Podcast on uh, a platform like uh, Podbean or Apple Podcast or Spotify, uh, whichever is applicable for you. Um, And when you listen to a podcast, do not forget to leave us a rating, preferably a five-star rating. uh, And also do not forget to leave your uh, feedback in the comment section. Um, If you are a cricketing fanatic and you really love the game, you know, and you're interested in... uh, taking part in one of our episodes uh, you can write to us uh, to our email address it's armchair.cricket at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter our twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod we are also on facebook uh, so you can find all these links in the description below Um, also on twitter we are normally online during uh, an ongoing match Uh, you can also join us there for a banter you know and have some fun with us um now, having said that, it is time for me to welcome my co-host, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Giddy. Good evening. I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been a eventful short turnaround period for me. Mm-hmm. Pretty busy at work. How are you doing? Yeah, busy start of,
0: to the week, I would say. And also to the end, um, so it's so. But there's also not a lot of Test cricket going on. There's only a couple of Test matches. I think the one which started uh, uh, today. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Um,
1: Indeed. But, mm. So uh, yeah, uh, before we get on with the you know the events of the week, so to say, let's first look at the trivia question from the last week. So the trivia question from the last week was: Which famous event connects the first hat trick in? A cricket World Cup, 50-year World Cup, with the first player who has played in six Cricket World Cups. So before I get to the answer to this question, I would like to mention some of our regulars. Yeshwant, who is a friend of both of us, and uh, he constantly responds to our questions and uh, you know quizzes. Uh, he came up with the right answer. Uh, another of our regulars, DS Pathy, mentioned this answer as well. So indeed, the most famous event that connects this specific question is that it involves two people. The first person is the is a bowler who took the first hat-trick in a Cricket World Cup. And the person who has played in six World Cups is a batter. So the bowler is Chetan Sharma and the batsman is Javed Miandad. So Javed Miandad is the cricketer who has represented his country in six Cricket World Cups. He's the first, in fact. But Tendulkar is also had this uh, honor. So as we can know, you know, as both uh, fans from both sides of the border and both countries cannot forget, it is that immortal six of the last ball to win the Australasia Cup. Mm -hmm. So let me paint a small picture here. You know, this was the final of the Australasia Cup, April 18th, 1986 at Sharjah. India were facing Pakistan. It was a Friday. So it was a jam-packed house, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So batting first, India were able to score only 245 for 7 after being very conveniently placed at 213 for 6, or rather 216 for 3, with a lot of overs to spare. Sort of the middle and the lower middle order of India fell away. And thanks to Imran Khan and Vasim Akram, Mm -hmm. India could only make 245 for 7. Chasing this number, Pakistan did not make a very positive start and Mohsin Khan opening made 36. And Javed Miandad, who came in at 4, Kept batting, but he did not find many partners. Salim Malik made 21. Abdul Qadir, who was promoted as a pinch hitter in air courts, made 34, right? And Imran Khan who followed a Manzoori Ilahi. Nobody really supported Wasim Akram. Mm-hmm. Then with the last man to keep him company, Javed Miandad, who's 110 not out at this stage, takes strike to Chetan Sharma, who before this ball has bowled 8.5 overs for 45 runs. And is probably at the peak of his cricketing powers. This is a short man, mind you, but he bowls very sharpish, sharpish medium fast bowling. And uh, on his on his day he can get up to 145, they said. Mm. And this guy, you know, we everybody knows what he's going to bowl. He's going to bowl this Yorker. It's almost like a predetermined plan. Mm. Then it takes this man, Javed Miandad, who's on strike. He's the only man in the ground technically who believes he can win this match. Pakistan require only four runs to win. Sure. But, you know, this is in 1986 when scoring at five and over was not easy. And he's brought his team so far. He doesn't want to go away without a trophy, you know. So this guy takes strike. In comes Chetan Sharma. He winds up and delivers a ball, which would be a Yorker. What does Myanmar do? He sort of knows this beforehand. He's done a fantastic job of already anticipating what Chetan Sharma does. He's a few yards down the wicket. So what would be a Yorker is now a full toss. And this guy, with his presence of mind and with his confidence, simply plants this ball all the way back at square leg. And Pakistan win the Australasia Cup of the last ball. And mm-hmm. this this moment will stay in the uh, minds of all so, you know so subcontinent fans, especially the Indian and Pakistani fans. And this is the event that we are capturing with this question. So the first man to take a Cricket World Cup hat-trick was Chetan Sharma. This was uh, against... New Zealand in uh, 1987 World Cup this match was uh, October 31st 1987 and India needed to win this match comfortably and convincingly so no matter what the target set by New Zealand considering New Zealand batted first India had to chase it down in a certain number of overs so Mm -hmm. in that match New Zealand batted first and they made 221, 221 for nine so based on that in order to not only secure a semi final but a home semi final and avoid traveling to Pakistan to play Pakistan in Pakistan, India needed to win this match with 42.2 overs or under 42.2 overs. So, when that happened, hmm. India were able to chase the match or win the match comfortably. But before that happened, the person who was responsible for keeping New Zealand down to 221 was a certain Chetan Sharma. The Mm -hmm. same Chetan Sharma, who considered a six to Javan Mayandad in the previous story, Mm -hmm. is a hero in the story because he took a hat-trick. He took a hat-trick of three bowls, the first of its kind in world cricket and the first in a 50-over World Cup. He dismissed Ken Rutherford, uh, Ian Smith, and even Chatfield, all bowled. And with the aid of this hat-trick, India were able to keep uh, uh, New Zealand down to 221. And then when they came out to bat... Kris and Sunil Gavaskar started in a very explosive fashion. So, you know, they were determined to make sure they were they would get this target well within the 42nd over mark. But something completely unexpected happened here. Sunil Gavaskar, who in more than 100 ODIs of trying had never gotten a one-day hundred, decided he wanted to be there at the end. But not just be there, but do it in style. So he took just 85 balls for his fastest hundred and his only hundred. He hit three sixers and 10 fours. And quickly won the match for India. By doing that, India wrapped up the match in 32.1 overs. They scored 224 for one chasing 221, and thereby secured a, you know, a semi-final in Mumbai. Unfortunately, it was going to be anticlimactic for Sunil Gavaskar because his last one there would be the semi-final of that World Cup where Graham Gooch would sweep India to complete boredom, but in mm. short, winning the match for England. And the rest is history, as the say. Yeah,
0: and also his last match in his home ground, right?
1: Of course, uh, of course. Yeah. indeed, he he could not he could not hmm. win the match for India on his last match. But it was the same for Gavaskar when he played his, played his last Test against Pakistan in Bangalore. So that's a different story. Let's not go there. But just some small thoughts and some small memories uh, from mm. the cricketing history for us to you know.
0: And, and well. one more thing, one more thing. Mian Dad's last match was also a forgettable one for him. Yes, of the, course. a final against Pakistan. Uh, sorry, India. Indeed. In Bangalore, 1996, uh, uh, he he made 38 runs and got out. Uh, couldn't see Pakistan home on that occasion. So, yeah, two great heroes, I would say. Indeed. Both, both, both their teams.
1: Indeed. <clears throat> now, I was just reading this article by Rajdeep Sartesai in Cricket Monthly. It is from 2015, but he sort of recollects how, how he reacted when Javed Mandar hit that six and how the rest of his friends with whom he was sitting and watching it reacted mm-hmm. so it's a very interesting article i would like to recommend it to anybody who would like to you know get into this this passion of what happened on that day mm-hmm. so moving forward now let's quickly take a look at the only ongoing test considering that the new zealand bangladesh has been uh, bangladesh test has been cancelled this is the only test so this is afghanistan versus ireland this is the test that started on 15th of march that is earlier today and it, it was happening in dehradun the you know the home away from home for afghanistan so in this test match this was the first day ireland uh, having won the toss decided to bat but somehow uh, not a lot of it went to plan as far as afghanistan uh, as far as ireland was concerned because having chosen to bat they were sort of in trouble so they were really struggling and they could not get together any partnerships of any note uh, Paul Sterling and, you know, Porterfield made a very good start at 37-for-1 under nine overs. They looked comfortable, but then wickets kept tumbling. So the spin uh, twins of Afghanistan, Mohammad Nabi and uh, Rashid Khan, had a very important part with the innings, and so did a newbie, Wakar Salam Khil. He's a new uh, bowler as far as uh, Afghanistan is concerned. He made his debut along with Ikram Khan Khail and Isanullah in this match. We will come to Sanulla later, but uh, with these spin twins and also then the trio bowling, they completely spun a web around Ireland. Ireland had no way to get out. They were finding nowhere to score uh, score any runs, so they slumped to 85 for nine on the first morning of a Test match, just after lunch. So they were in real trouble. But um, you know, George Dockrell, who's come a long way with his batting, held one end up, and number eleven Tim Murter, who of Middlesex and uh, Ireland fame. Took the long handle, and together they added uh, comfortable, you know, uh, 97 runs, and then took Afghanistan, uh, took Ireland from 85 for nine to 172, 172, just on the brink of tea, and they were all out for 172. Uh, this meant Afghanistan had a whole session to bat out, so. Uh, one other bowler I would like to credit is Yami Nahmad Zai, who is a fast bowler from Afghanistan. And he this is a test pass specialist of, uh, uh, along with Wafadar. If you remember, Wafadar also played Afghanistan's first test. So these two guys did really well. And then overall, it was a consummate bowling performance from Afghanistan. And later, they completely uh, made a good job of batting. They had a whole session to bat out. But, you know, Mohammad Shahzad and isanullah started as if they were literally blocking to save a test match. That's how they looked like. It was like a fourth afternoon. They were... So they took their time. Isanullah made a very painstaking looking 34 ball seven, but it was a very important innings because this team is full of hitters, this Afghanistan team. And they both made sure by batting out, you know, 12 and a half for with not a lot of runs scored, they made sure that Afghanistan were comfortable. But Ahmad Shahzad started picking up the rate. He became his usual self the moment Isanullah left. And in the company of Rahmat Shah, he made sure Afghanistan progressed comfortably to 68, at point, at which point he was dismissed for 40. So Rahmat Shah kept uh, Hashmatullah Shahidi company at the end of the day. And at the end of the first day, uh, Afghanistan are just 82 runs behind. And they look well poised to sort of take control of this test. So these are the events of the first day of Ireland versus Afghanistan. Uh, Giri, would you like to add something?
0: um yeah it's, it's uh, the first test match between these these two teams, right So Ireland and Afghanistan playing uh, against each other for the first time
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, and at Afghanistan's adopted home ground, Dehradun. Uh-huh. Um. so uh, it, it, it it looks like an interesting game already. Um, the first things was a low scoring one for Ireland and um, Afghanistan are fighting back. they they're holding strong actually at ninety four two like you said. Um, the next four days i don't know if there will be four day it will be played for the next four days or not um, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting uh, let's see afghanistan still have to show their batting prowess uh, they have a uh, the st- st- stronger middle order i would say mm-hmm. uh, with some uh, reel guard action possible from the lower order uh, batsman or lower all-rounder i think rashid khan is now an all-rounder we can probably call him an all-rounder yes um I don't know. I mean, I I, um, I don't want to uh, make a prediction, but I have a strong inclination towards Afghanistan at this moment, taking this mm-hmm. away. Could well be their first test victory, might well be. But yes. one thing's for sure, I think they have learned from the defeat uh, mm-hmm. against England, uh, sorry, uh, against India in Bangalore. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, uh, where I think they didn't even manage to enter the third day, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Um, so they have learned their lessons hard and uh, making a strong statement here in on the world in the world scene. Um, look forward to this how it shapes up in the next two three days.
1: Indeed. Well, uh, as I read on cricket info, you know, one of these two teams stands a good chance of you know becoming the fastest team since Australia to gain a Test match victory. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe in their very second test match, they have a chance here. Both Mm -hmm. uh, Afghanistan and Ireland lost their first tests, but in contrasting fashions. We talked about it in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. But I would say they they both, you know, have a decent chance. Uh, Ireland had a very, very strong second uh, innings in their very first test, right? If you remember. So I would not write them off yet. But at this point in time, it really looks like Afghanistan hold the upper hand. But Mm -hmm. the very first session of uh, tomorrow's morning's play, I think, second day's play will be really crucial. So if Afghanistan can again consolidate a bit and get to maybe 150 for the loss of even four wickets at the end of the first session on the second day, they hold the, all the cards. But on the other hand, if Ireland can get consecutive or continuous mm-hmm. breakthroughs, they have a chance. So uh, all in all, it's going to be a riveting test match. Yeah. And uh, I would recommend, you know, I was listening to Guerrilla Cricket this morning. So I would recommend uh, any of our, uh, you know, listeners to also tune into Guerrilla Cricket and listen to this very interesting test match and to listen to Guerrilla Cricket in general. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Giri, anything to add or shall we move on to the next? Set yeah, of, let's move uh, on to
0: the next one, I think.
1: Go for it. Go for it.
0: So, the next topic we would like to cover in this episode is uh, the final one-day international match played between India and Australia. at Faroosh Kotla, Delhi. Uh-huh. Um, this, the series was evenly poised at 2-all. Before uh, they began this match, Australia won the toss and decided to uh, bat first on um, on an inconsistent pitch. It was not an easy pitch to bat on, like it was at Mohali, for example. Um, so this was not a true uh, true paced pitch. So there was a bit of um, slowness in the pitch if you hit the deck hard. Mm-hmm. Australia got off to a very good start yet again. Um, and um, also some good contributions in the middle order, like uh, Peter Hanscom. Uh, at one point, they were looking like, it was looking like they were going to score a lot of runs, close to even 300 or even just beyond 300 runs. But India did well to, uh, you know, um, bowl well uh, during the boring middle overs as well as towards the tail. And, um, and restricted Australia, I have to say restricted Australia mm-hmm. to 272 for nine. It could have been much less. I think India probably leaked to 20 runs more than they should have. Yeah. But credit to uh, the tale, uh, especially Pat Cummins and Joy Richardson, who uh, you know played little cameos to take them that far. The standout performance for Australia in this uh, in this case was Peter Hanscom with a 50, uh, who who had a very um, uh, effective partnership, um, batting with uh, Usman Khwaja who mm-hmm. I think is in the form of his life, especially when it comes to one-day cricket. Somebody who was not even in the reckoning uh, last year, maybe 12 months ago, he was not even in the reckoning in the ODI uh, setup. He was just mm-hmm. considered a test player. And now we look at it. He's, he scored his uh, third century, right, in this series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. this this was his third century, as a matter of fact. Uh, he scored 100 of 106 deliveries. It was uh, He got out to a soft dismissal. But in the end, I think it was a challenging total to be uh, you know to, to chase for india because like i said the pitch was not so consistent india <clears throat> lost their opener shikhar dawan um, pretty early not they didn't go get off to uh, a flying start uh, compared to mohali so this was uh, one of those occasions where the batting the top order was not uh, firing its all cylinders um, rohit sharma looked a bit uh, scratchy uh, in patches he he played those good shots, but he he didn't look comfortable, and the mm-hmm. pitch was playing its part, so it looked a bit too paced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, guys like Virat Kohli uh, also got out, um, you know, very early. They, they didn't make a lot of contributions, good contributions. They got off to starts, but never you know capitalized on those. Vijay Shankar looked a bit more fluent, but yeah, again, uh, not didn't work out. Um, until Kedar Jadav and Bhuhneshwar Kumar, who is a bowling all rounder, got together. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think both of them got 40s, 44 and 46. They took India closer to the total, but I think India never had a chance.
1: Mm, the, mm.
0: So, Australian bowlers really bowled well, especially their fast bowlers. Uh, Pat Cummins, again, a consistent performer, uh, along with Joy Richardson. I think they're. One day, bowling setup is looking stronger uh, than ever, especially with uh, guys like Hazelwood and Stark uh, who are expected to make a comeback into the World Cup Mm -hmm. squad. And with these two guys, I think they have a formidable uh, uh, fast bowling lineup. Um, And um, uh, and the spinners, Nathan Lyon and Adam Zampa, these Mm -hmm. two guys also played their part, especially Adam Zampa. I think Adam Zampa has had a wonderful series. He has blow, bowled with a lot of courage, mm-hmm. uh, although he doesn't spin, a, uh, spin the ball a lot off the pitch. He does get a lot of drift in the air, and then he's been fooling batsmen like Virat Kohli.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he,
0: he, Virat Kohli got out more than, uh, more than one occasion in this series. Um, and Virat Kohli kind of has a weakness towards these leg spinners. If you remember Adil Rashid, he also got out to Adil Rashid a few times uh, last year in England. Yes. Um, so Zampa bowled really well. And... Uh, so they both made a case. Uh, these two spinners, Nathan Lyon as well as Adam Zampa, mm-hmm. with Glenn Maxwell bowling his uh, part-time off-spin. So they they are looking more balanced than they did at the beginning of the year when India, you know, pretty much outsmarted them uh, in in their home conditions, in Australian home conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they look a completely different side. Uh, they have the belief in their uh, I think in their uh, skills. They're they're now beginning to gel and form a team together. Uh, with guys like uh, Steve Smith and David Warner expected to come back into this side at some point of time,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: I think it's not so easy for them to get uh, you know, a playing position. I think there are guys like Usman uh, Khwaja, who's made a name for himself now in that opening position. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, player of the match was again Usman Khwaja for his century and also uh, quite deservedly the player of the series in uh, in this match uh, in this in this series uh, australia take the series 3-2 uh, having already won the t20 uh, series the two match t20 series they, they won it 2-0 mm-hmm. so it's a good takeaway for the australian team who now make uh, who now travel to uh, uae united arab emirates emirates to play against pakistan in a one day series there as well just before the world cup so australian team may just be beginning to peak at the right time so it's going to be interesting in the World Cup if they continue like this.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yes, indeed. So if I were to just look at it from a statistical perspective, right? So this is the first time in a whole decade that Australia have tried to win a bilateral series in India and they have succeeded. In the last three times they were in India, in each of those times they had lost the bilateral one-day series. But this time they have managed to win it, right? Apart from that, um, Well, if I just look at the match itself, a lot of credit goes to the Indian slower bowlers, Javindra Chadeja and uh, Kuldi Pyada was a bit expensive at the end, but also to Shami and Bhuneshwar Kumar, who made sure, you know, Australia, who were at one point in time, uh, having reached 178 for two within 34 overs, they had a good chance of completely go, you know, all the way up to even 300. So a lot of, uh, you know, kudos to the Indian bowlers who make it, who made it possible that even Australia could be bowled out under 250. But then, of course, Jay Richardson and Cummins had other ideas. So they took Australia to a very competitive 272. This is one thing. So I think Jadeja's contribution of 2 for 45 in 10-over sort of went unnoticed there. But he did a really good job. So did Bumrah. Even though he did not get any wickets here, he still just bowled out uh, his 10-overs for uh, 39 runs. I think I remember at 5-over mark, he had less than... Ten runs, like five over nine runs or some such? No, he know, even he does had, that
0: I think sorry, I uh, he I think his figure stood at eight overs and fourteen runs with My no God.
1: wickets. Okay. So in the last
0: two overs, was... he got belted.
1: Right. My God. What what a n what a really good spell there, right? Yeah. So having said that, I think when India started batting, they were a sort of odds on favorite because this total was chaseable on that pitch. So then all the credit goes to, as you said already. Cummins, Richardson, and, of course, Zampa, right? But I would like to give a special mention to Nathan Land, who, you know, sort of is growing in confidence every match. You can mm-hmm. see him. So in, in, by the third or the fourth match, he's playing in the series. He's, he got a one for 34 out of his 10 overs. So he was very crucial, along with Zampa, in making sure that the Indians could never build any momentum during the middle mm-hmm. overs. Yeah, Rohit Sharma got off to start, so did Shikhar Dhawan, but Dawan or Kohli could not carry on. But then there's nobody in the middle, o- over middle order of the India to sort of build that solid 50 or an 80 that would put this chase to sleep. So there, again, the spinners came to the fore. And I, I was reading this article, right, it credits, uh, you know, from a 2 nil down to a 3-2 victory to Australia. On basis of three people or three players, so it was Zampa, Quaja, and Cummins. So I totally agree with that article. It was on Greek info. So it was a fantastic, fantastic performance from Australia. You know, when India visited Australia at home, they did not win Australia. Win, uh, they did not let Australia win even a single series. I think Australia came back to India and uh, gave the host the same, uh, you know, medicine, so to say. Hmm. Right. And then, of course, you know, um, India have not lost. Uh, three ODIs in a row at home since 2009. So in a decade, this has not happened, but Australia made it happen. And of course, mm-hmm. um, Pat Cummins took 14 wickets, the series, and um, uh, Zampa took 11. And the most successful Indian bowler in the series was uh, Kuldeep Yadav with 10, which is not in itself a bad achievement, I would say. But a lot of kudos to the Australian bowlers because they were bowling in foreign conditions. And of course, Usman Khawaja, who did not have a single 100 before the series, now has two. And, uh, you know, his average is ballooned by more than, you know, 10 runs per inning. So, that he's done really well here. So, and also he's made a solid case for himself, irrespective of who would come back, whether it's David Warner or anybody else who comes back to the squad, he's made a really solid case for himself to be selected for the World Cup. So, I think he's done himself no harm at all, his chances of playing in the World Cup, right? Because he, we always had a suspe- suspe- suspicion about his technique in the Asian conditions, but I think... Uh, you know, at the end, uh he was able to go true to his own roots and play well in Asia. Right?
0: I, I think this latest century was also a chanceless innings until he got out.
1: He exactly.
0: Solid. He looked very solid.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean and it looked like Indian bowlers had no clue how to control this guy. He was going yes. at run on run a ball almost right through his innings. It yeah. was not there were no spurts, there were no sudden splurges. He mm. was just just in control right through. That was a fantastic innings, right? And, of course, a lot of uh, credit also, you know, to the Australian top order because, as I said, by the time Glenn Maxwell came and went, they were already in a very strong position, but they couldn't convert it. So they could have sort of put this issue completely beyond India if they ever got to 300 on that match. All right, then. That was the sort of the decider between India and uh, Australia, and Australia take the Series 3-2. So congratulations to Australia. Mm. Now, if you were to move on, uh, we can go to the next uh, ODI Series, Giri,
0: Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Sri Lanka and South Africa, the fourth one-day international played at uh, Port Elizabeth. This was business as usual for South Africa. So it is becoming such a tame series now, the ODI series. Uh, South Africa, well, unfortunately for Sri Lanka, were too strong on this occasion. Or Sri Lanka did not perform well enough, you know, to their potential, like they have been in this ODI series throughout. Their test test performance was very good, but in one-day series, they weren't good enough, I'm afraid. So they're already 4-0 um, with one more to play. Uh, quick summary of the scorecard. Mm-hmm. Sri Lanka made 189 all out. Um, you know, thanks only to this guy, uh, Udana, a mm-hmm. uh, tailender who managed to score quick fire 78 runs of 57 deliveries, apart from, mm-hmm. uh, uh, apart from Fernando. Uh, n- nobody really, you know, made a bigger score. Uh, so Abishka Fernando and Udana helped them reach that score. Mm-hmm. Uh, South African fast bowling is getting strong. Even even I think they don't miss Duan Olivier right now, to be honest. They have uh, Andriy Norkia. Mm-hmm. I hope I got that name right. Um, who, who got three wickets for 57 runs in his eight overs. And uh, Perluwayo got two wickets for 21 runs in his five overs. Um, so they restricted Sri Lanka to 189 runs in um, Bowled out within 40 overs, in fact. So that was how bad Sri Lanka were, or how good South Africa were. Mm-hmm. South Africa in return chased it down with uh, in under 33 overs. Um, Faf got uh, Faf du Plessis made 43 of 38. Quentin de Kock made 51 uh, from 57 deliveries. Uh, there was some, you know, Dananjay de Silva with his uh, off spin got three wickets for 41 runs. And cousin Rajita got a wicket, but yeah, but it was in the end not enough for them to, uh, you know, uh, make any inroads into the South African batting lineup. So South Africa go 4-0 up. Um, not a lot to play for in the last ODI. Let's see if South Africa, so Sri Lanka can redeem themselves with uh, a win. If they can, it will mm-hmm. be good for them before the World Cup. I don't know if they play again in this, uh, uh, in in the, in the in the if they play any ODI matches, probably not.
1: Mm-hmm, you know, this mm-hmm. was
0: their last series before the World Cup. I'm looking at the Indeed. future tour program. Um, so they don't have anything until the World Cup. So time to rest for them, I guess,
1: after this series. Indeed. So from a statistical perspective, you know, um, Sri Lanka handed a debut to Priyamal Pereira, who batted at number uh, five in this match. And uh, he had, uh, you know, quite one one ball duck. unfortunately. He was dismissed caught behind of Norkia. So, first of all, Giri, before I go any further, you got both the pronunciations of Norkia and Pelu Huayo right. You know, Uh, it's (laughs) it's a joke, but uh, they both are not easy names and you got them right. So, um, looking at the Sri Lankan innings, there were not a lot of contributions from the top seven, really. That's where they faltered very much. So, you know, Avishka Fernando made a 29 and then... You know, Kusal Mendes made a 21, but neither could carry on. But unfortunately, a little bit of lower-order resistance, 22 from dhananjaya De Silva. I constantly feel he was batting very low in this entire, you know, tour. But that's that's a discussion for another day because even, you know, Kamindu Mendes was promoted ahead of him. Kamindu Mendes was good, but, uh, you know, he has a 50-plus one-day average or a list day average. But... Uh, it looked like Denenja De Silva should have batted further up. And, of course, uh, Tissera Pera couldn't do much. And then Isil Adana Udana has shown a bit of all-round qualities here, showing that, you know, all his time in the T20 leagues, made it uh, his, uh, you know, his, he, he improved on his batting. Of course, for South Africa, for bowling, as you said, Norke got a 3-4. And, of course, Pehluhwayo got a 2-4. And uh, Shamsi got a very quiet one for 34 of his whole 10 overs. So, he was very... You know, frugal, that was a good thing. And Dale Stein, who made a comeback, also took one wicket. So, all in all, indeed, South African bowling stocks look strong. But when they, when it was their time to bat, uh, South Africa made a, made it very easy. And they got through. So, you know, not belaboring the point, uh, a big news has come out that, uh, you know, uh, JP Domini, who came back to South Africa Colors in this match and sort of finished the match off for South Africa, has said that he'll be retiring after the one-day World Cup this year, and his first uh, and only target currently is to make sure he plays in the World Cup. So, uh, he's, he's been a special player, at least uh, in very, you know, patchy phases as far as I'm concerned for South Africa, and I think he's good. But uh, at the end of the day, if you look at it, it looks like, you know, uh, it feels a bit of an unfinished career or an unfulfilled career. This guy, this guy, had pure all round credentials. He played some classic test matchings, but he could do a bit more. But, you know, unfortunately, he's not been able to do a lot. Uh, He's not been able to fulfill his potential, if I may be a bit blunt about it. But, you know, good luck to Domini with the rest of his career. And uh, I'm sure South Africa will miss his services. So, well, that was a quick wrap-up of the fourth one-dayer between South Africa and Sri Lanka. And if I were to look through... Uh, You know, uh, the remaining uh, sort of news from the outside of the cricketing world and outside of the world out there. So uh, now in the other section, so I would first like to discuss quickly Shishant's life ban. you know. So uh, as we know, Shishant, the fast bowler from India had been given a life ban by BCCI for his uh, supposed activities or supposed uh, collusion with some uh, match-fixing people and Mm -hmm. he had a life ban. But now, uh, this was in 2013 IPL. But it looks like, you know, uh, he has challenged the decision in the Supreme Court of India, the highest court in the land, and this ban has been set aside. Uh, But he's 36 now, Kiri. What do you say?
0: Yeah, I don't know if he has any cricketing career left him, or cricketing Uh, time left in him maybe f- to become an administrator this uh, lift of you know lifting of this life ban may help him but can he contribute to, to the domestic scene i don't know uh, i don't know what's left in him whether they will allow him to play they can pro- probably but uh, i don't know if that's going to happen Mm-hmm. um so it's 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 up for debate um you know we had a similar issue with uh, Mohammed Azuruddin whose life ban was also lifted mm-hmm. but i think he was too old when it uh, when this happened and uh, he, i think he became an administrator he he, he got from some role elsewhere um uh, i'm i don't know what will happen with shishans career will he make a comeback or will he become a franchise cricketer or something like that could well be i don't know
1: yeah Uh, We'll have to see. I mean, 36 is a bit old if you're a fast Mm. bowler, but let's see how it works out for him. But uh, all the best to him. Yeah, good luck to him. Uh, Let's see what happens with him. Mm. And yeah, even Jadeja had a similar opportunity, but also Jadeja was on the wrong side of 35, let's say. Let's see how it goes. Mm. Okay, uh, the next point we have to discuss is uh, a quick look at the, the finishing stages of the PSL, Pakistan Super League. 2019 edition, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, we are at the final stage, Giri, and uh, Quetta Gladiators and Peshawar Zalmi have uh, qualified to play the finals of PSL mm-hmm. 2019. They'll be played on uh, the 17th of March, right, in mm-hmm. the upcoming days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's quickly look at how they got there just at the last two matches, of course. So, in the first qualifier, Quetta Gladiators were able to beat Peshawar Zalmi thanks to a fantastic innings of 71 from Watson. And he was ably supported by Hassan Ali. And uh, in spite of, you know, the best efforts of Karen Pollard and the captain of Pekhavar uh, Zalmi, Darren Sami, they were not able to chase this down and they lost by nine runs. So this meant, you know, uh, quite gladi- gladiators comfortably qualified into the final. But Pekhavar uh, Zalmi got another chance and they played Islamabad United in the second eliminator. Mm-hmm. And in this match, they batted first. And uh, along with some solid contributions from the top order, you know, Kamran Akmal made 74, Imamul haq made 58, and Kiran Pollard was promoted to number three to keep the run rate going, made 37. And Darren Sami promoted himself to number five and hit a 15-ball 30 to make sure, you know, they got to 214 for five, which was very, very tough to chase. Mm-hmm. You know, Islamabad did a good job. They tried hard with, uh, you know, Chadwick Walton hitting 48, at Delport hitting uh, 28 at the top, and usually Luke Ronkey, who would be very strong in such chases, chases were only was only able to make 17. So that meant even though Fahim Ashraf tied a lot at the end, they fell comfortably short. So this meant, you know, Peshawar Zalmi and uh, Quetta Gladiators will face off with each other in the final, just like mm-hmm. the you know the first qualifier. So all the best to both the teams, and may the best team win here. So. Mm-hmm. We'll follow this and maybe in the upcoming episodes, we'll also cover the final and the result of the final, right? Mm-hmm. All right, then, uh, we've mostly covered all the important positions, important topics. One small topic is that, well, there is still some trouble brewing with the Sri Lankan cricket board, you know, and uh, it looks like Sri Lankan cricket board is very unhappy with the results on the tour. In spite of good results in the tests, I think Chandika Hathura Singa's job, it's rumored is in a bit of strife. SLCF uh, summoned him home at the end of the ODI series. The assistant coach, Steve Rickson, will take over the coaching job for the T20 series, right? Well, it'll it'll be a bit of a heated discussion, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, yeah. mm. you had something to say?
0: No, I think it'll be a bit of a tussle uh, uh, who's, who's going to give, uh, you know, I mean, because I think he has a contract with them. That the contract does not allow them to release him before uh, it expires. And mm. th- there will be some kind of complications and negotiations involved there Um, but it would be destabilizing I would say for the team if he was uh, you know removed from the position who is going to replace him what will happen to the team Mm -hmm. just before a world cup so it's 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 a lot of
1: changes for the team I would say Mm. indeed well let's see how it goes I don't I don't expect even the Sri Lankan board to make any such knee-jerk decisions but we'll see how it goes Mm -hmm. in the long term I think Sri Lanka would do well to keep Us, you know, keep going on with uh, Chandika Hatharasinghe, especially this close to a big tournament here, right there. Mm -hmm. All right, then. Uh, That was that. And uh, well, all that remains is a bit of, you know, uh, the wrap up, the housekeeping. So we have a trivia question for you guys for the next episode. So the trivia question for this uh, episode we would like to ask you is who's the first South African cricketer to take a 50-over World Cup hat trick? Well, we may have spoken about this cricketer in this episode, if you are listening. Mm. So if you listen carefully, you can probably answer us quickly. All right, then. So now, please uh, do listen to us. There's a lot of cricket coming up in the upcoming weeks, and we'll be covering it closely. And uh, we are looking forward to the close of the Ireland vs. Afghanistan test and some other cricket we've already discussed. So please do write in to us if you have any thoughts uh, at armchair.com cricket at gmail.com please to subscribe to our podcast on any platforms you listen to us on leave us a good rating we would really appreciate that and also when you subscribe it tells us that our fan base is growing and please talk to your friends who are also cricket enthusiasts about our podcast you are our real strength and anything and everything you do to help us make popular will be really encouraging for us right so we are also on facebook of course we have armchair cricket podcast page there we have we are on twitter at armchair pod right so whenever there's a live match mostly uh, one of us is online we try to keep bantering with our friends especially from gorilla cricket right so please do join us there and uh, well that's that for this episode i would say so that's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him thank you
0: and bye-bye bye-bye You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.